think tank. Joining me now on ESPN 1420 is Louisiana Ragin' Cajun Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau in studio. Good morning, Bab. It's good to see you. You look fresh. Well, I guess I am. I feel fresh. Good. Early in the morning, everything's going well. That's good, man. I want to talk some uh, some Cajun baseball with you. I know that um, our listeners know that your your uh, your mother passed away, and last week that's why you weren't on. And I just I didn't I didn't want to spend a, an hour talking about that, but I did want to ask you before we got started. Just I I just know you through baseball, and I I tease you about how long you've been part of the program. How did your mother help shape your baseball journey? It's just one thing I was curious about. Something I wanted to ask you. Well, she was she was just there for me, you know. For my brother and I, we played baseball throughout our whole lives, growing up since we were four or five years old, and and she was just there for us, bringing us to practices, bringing us to games. You know, we played catch with dad in the yard, just like you, just like every other kid, you know. And and mom was just there for us, um, fixing us water or or root beer in coolers for practices, for sure. during the games, for in the dugouts, and and or snacks and or having a meal ready when we got back. So, you know, just just being there for us and, and just being a, um, really a great matriarch for our family. Um, it was sad that she passed, but she lived a, a healthy 90 years, and, you know, she didn't suffer much, thankfully, these last couple of weeks. So I was very grateful for that, and we had a beautiful ceremony on Monday morning. The weather was perfect and lots of family and friends Showed up to show their support, so you know it was a it was a great a great end to you know to her life, it, and just really great way to remember her and thankful the, for the years that I had with her for sure. Whenever you uh, you know go to one of your daughter's soccer games or something, do you ever think back to all right? I know the drill here. I'm gonna. I'm going to do what mom did here. I'm going to bring the Gatorade or whatever it might be. Do you find yourself kind of thinking about that? Well, I think about it, but what I think about it now is how so much different things are now really than they were when, you know, 40 years ago when, when I was their age and doing that. But, yeah, absolutely, those memories come back to you. And, and just, again, you know, I said she was just there for us. That's kind of what I try to be for my daughters and what I think all parents should should do is just be there for their kids, whether it be practices, games. I know we can't always make every practice, every game, um, but the ones we can, we surely need to. So, yeah, I, I guess I do have some remembrances of, of her as I'm watching them play or, or practice, but it's all it's all great memories for sure. I guess, like, in terms of anything you do parenting, like, I find myself, your kids are a little older than mine, but – find myself thinking often about like okay now I remember when I was a kid and my my mom or dad did this I have this this newfound appreciation or whatever it might be you just think back to it um I appreciate you doing that I, I've enjoyed uh reading about her hearing a few stories about her the other day and um you know obviously we wish you guys nothing but the best uh you talk about how much things have changed and the sports changed it was something that Robe would talk about a good bit, and everyone remembers his long diatribes about, you know, select ball and, you know, needing to have throwdown. Well, guess what? He got a ring and, and all of that good stuff. Uh, how have coaches had to 
evolve or change a little bit their approach to coaching college baseball as high school select ball, all of this stuff? What in your mind are the few things that have forced you guys to change your approach the most? Or is your change not much? Does it kind of remain the same? It's a little bit of both, I believe. I feel personally. I think you have to remain the same a little bit, if not a lot, because the the things that worked in the past, they still work today. As And what I mean by that is, you know, the discipline and the regimen and the work that it takes to be successful. I can remember Tony saying all the time that, that kids, they want discipline. They don't think they do, but they want it and they need it. And you have to have it to be successful in anything that you do. You, there has to be disciplined and in order uh, that that things go to see the, the end result that you want, right? So uh, while the game has changed a little bit and, and some of the, the ways we do things, uh, I think the backbone of it has stayed the same and, and needs to stay the same for, for the reasons that I just mentioned. There's obviously different – there's – the technology obviously is different from what they have to occupy their time with now than what you and I had to occupy our time with when we were young, right? I mean, you and I, we went outside and played. Right. Because we didn't, we, right. yes, because we didn't have something in our hand to occupy our time. The kids today, they do. So you have to understand that for one. But at the end of the day, I feel Tony felt, Matt feels, the majority of coaches feel that you still have to have, in order to, to be successful, uh, like ultra successful, all the ultra successful programs around the country, you can, in whatever sport it, it is, uh, you can look back and, and dig into how they're doing things, and it's with a tough environment. It's with a tough environment. It's with discipline because those things are, are tried and true. They're tested. They've been they've worked from day number one, and, and I believe they'll work till day number last. I, th- I feel like, you know, in, in the spirit of robe, like a metaphor, for you guys, if you, if you have a final destination you got to get to, and there's a, let's say there's a connecting flight, and the, the second flight of the connection is the really long one. The first one's the shorter flight. That first flight might be a little different now, but how do you get them to that connecting flight that's the long one, right? So your approach in terms of how do we break down this wall is going to be different now than it was 20 years ago just because they've been brought up differently. The world they live in is differently. But if you get back to that disciplined part, and like you said, they may not realize they want it. I think when when athletes and collegiate athletes and kids and the youth really realize, okay, I never knew how much I wanted it until it happened, is when they start to see the fruits of that labor, when they start to see the end result, and then they're like, okay. It's almost like a light comes on for some of them. That's what this has been about the whole time. And Mm -hmm. I think for, you know, obviously you got to coach baseball, but if you do your job right, you're going to have players in the program that know how to play baseball. The mental part of that and getting them ready and getting them to accept how do we get to this second flight? And then you got to stay on this thing for the whole ride. Um, and if you do it the right way, you're going to enjoy it. Is that more challenging at times than the X's and O's part of the job? 
Well, you spend so much time on it, right? Because there's only a small handful that are going to get an opportunity to play beyond this program. So in, you said it right. You said if you're doing your job right. If you're doing your job right, you're getting them ready for what the, the next chapter after this, which for most of them will not include baseball. So if, if you don't, in my opinion, if you don't run a tough program with a lot of discipline and, in order for, and give them the tools that they need for later in life, you're doing them a disservice. You really are. If, if, if all the coaches out there are just there for their sport to try to get them good in their sport, then I think they're failing young kids. I really do. ESPN 1420.com, Rage Cajun Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau, our guest. Hear him Wednesdays here. Hear him Saturday mornings with Billy Rickman on the Sports Notes. Raging Cajuns, uh, talking about seeing the fruits of that labor. Um, I know that on Saturday in Monroe, a come-from-behind win from seven down, and Deggs told me after the game, he's like, look, the one thing that had been missing from our resume was that big comeback win because he said there's been a number of games this year where we've come back, but we haven't finished a job. We couldn't quite do it. Is that one of those rewarding moments, not just because you got the win and a big comeback, but again, because players start to see, okay, we're starting to see this hard work pay off. That's exactly right. They 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 get to a point, and you mentioned it earlier, they get to a point where they see, okay, if we stay with it, if we truly do and act the way coaches telling us to act and believe in and have an unselfish attitude and not to care who gets the credit and – truly pull for the guy out on the field, even though he's at your same position and you're on the bench, then things like that can happen. You get rewarded for things like that. You know, we, we talk about every time you see a piece of trash, doesn't matter how small it is, just pick it up, put it in your pocket or put it in the trash, trash can. You know, you'll get rewarded for it at some point, you know, and like, oh, maybe that really does make a difference, you know? Maybe, maybe. Is that why we came back? I mean, you know, just little things. Karma. Little th- right. karma. It's, little it, things it, add up. It's just, it's almost like this positive spiritual energy in a way that the more you harp on it, the more you do it, everything kind of follows suit. And then, then you know, if something bad happens or there's, you know, a bad inning or whatever or a loss, it's not bringing you down. It's, you know what, no big deal. That's just a bump in the road, right? We're still, we're still taking this flight to the final destination. Um, I loved... <laughs> Dave Schultz shared an old – someone had liked a tweet of his from several years ago, um, and he, he just – I guess it, it came back to the timeline, but it was after a win in 2017, and let me see if I can find it. Just just hearing Robe and, and seeing the visual of him giving it, I was like, this is this is like classic. I love – I mean, the Robisms are – Robisms are forever, but this is one. Let's see. I don't know if you saw it, but you might even be able to remember the game just by just by hearing him talk afterwards. It's it's just his compete mode, man. He goes he goes into compete mode. He don't care about where my little toes landing or how how I feel from my previous at bat or last week's at bat or an O for two run. He just when it's time to throw down, he throws down, and those make the greatest competitors. When you get a team full of competitors like that. Um, you know, and not underwear models, how you look versus how you want to throw down. He, he, he's going to throw down with you. Uh, the only thing he's got to con- continue to do and grow is not let it consume him 
um, sometimes it can consume him. But again, I'd rather you know slow Mustang down and kick a donkey in the rear end every day. So he comes with the classic at the end, but the underwear model one, I was like, I didn't remember that one. That's good. Yeah, I remember that one. And that, you know, he uses rear end on the radio. That's not the term that he used when he would <laughs> speak to us about it, but, you know, it sufficed. I, I think he was talking about Alex Pinheiro. He was. Penny, Penny was feisty, man. I mean, that, that again, he, he seemed like a Mustang that you guys had to reel in quite a bit. Is that fair to say? That is fair to say. But again, Tony was exactly right. Those you, You'd rather have that than try to work it the other way. That saying, you know, you'd rather slow a Mustang down than the other thing. <laughs> you you want to have that guy come in and you have to say, okay, listen, you got to tone it down a little bit. Then the other way of saying, look, man, I need you, really need you to pick it up because it's tough for players that don't have that character trait to all of a sudden get it. It's tough. To, you can't really teach that. that. That comes from within. That comes from the way they were brought up. That comes from experiences that they've had to make them that way before they've gotten here. And to, to have it the other way around where you have to try to coach that into a player, that toughness, that compete, it hardly ever works. That throwdown. Have there been situations where you've seen it maybe just because after being exposed to it or being in a clubhouse where you got a lot of Mustangs, finally the donkey becomes a Mustang? Sometimes. Very seldom. You can you can surround a donkey with enough Mustangs and that donkey – he haws <laughs> Let's a little Let's bit, go, yeah. you know, but that's only if he's surrounded by enough right. Mustangs right. to where he, they can kind of cumber, cover up the donkey, so to speak. All right. I, I know we're um, I'm, I'm getting carried away with some of the old metaphors here, but I, I got one more for you. And we are going to talk about last night's win and in this upcoming series next weekend. But Deggs and I had a discussion Monday and I said, oh, I got to get Babs thoughts on this because when I was wrapping up my conversation with him, he and I, so I was one of two people on the, the zoom call Saturday and I asked him Easter plans, which, you know, of course he turns it into, you know, are you a hunter or a hider with Easter egg hunts? And he was in a really good mood. He was coming off of that win, you know, getting to get home with, for Easter. He was in a great mood. And so Monday, um, I was like, I don't even need to ask you. Like, I know you're a hunter. And he's like, Oh, you know, I, he's like, I'll, there might be, somebody might get hurt when I'm on an Easter egg hunt. And I was like, what if you guys had one? Like, who's winning it? And he said, no, I think we need to take it a step further. We need to get this year's team and the 2014 team just to have an Easter egg hunt at Russo Park. And I was like, coach, I don't think that'd be a good idea. I think some fights would break out. There's no doubt. He laughed. He's like, yeah, some might even be within the same team. You know, I was like, yeah, Caleb Adams and Mike Strentz might just race to an egg. And, and, we, and we laughed. Who's winning an Easter egg hunt? Who? What, what player on the current team is winning the Easter egg hunt? Or is it someone on the staff? Is Deggs just out there? You know, Well, it would be very competitive <laughs> between the staff and the team, for sure. Um, as far as who's winning it on the team, I mean, the obvious choice is Spencer, Arigetti. You know, he's he's definitely got the that throwdown that, that Tony would always talk about and that, and that compete, as do a, a lot of other guys, but, but – I'd, I'd have to. I definitely put good money on Spencer. Uh, some other guys in the in the pitching staff that that I would put money on, 
on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I think Brennan would have a really good shot. I think uh, Jonathan Brandon would have a good shot. Drake Osborne. We've got a lot of guys. You know, fortunately, we've got some guys, a lot of guys with that compete attribute, right? I mean, that's the reason why we've been able to to have, you know, a little bit of success that we've had this year and, and have some come from behind wins and, and that really big one on Saturday as we did. So we've got guys that love the game. They they love to to throw down and as Tony would say all the time and and, and look that's not just a, a Tony term. That's every coach likes that term and, and wants guys that, that are able to do that, right? Uh, so we've got a few of those guys on this club and, and last night was kind of transitioning into into last night. Last night was a good example of that, especially on the mound. You know, we had guys that, that just didn't give in, didn't give an inch, and, and we needed every bit of it, right? Because we were able to scratch a couple of runs, two or three runs, three to be exact, and the pitching staff was able to make that hold on for seven innings, really, because we scored that in the in the first, right. first three innings, and then nothing after that. So the pitching staff was able to come in and hold on and get us that victory last night. 3-2 over Nichols. Hayden Dirk in the closing role earned the save last night. Is that a, a role you, you guys see him settling into more or probably I not? I don't think so. I think that was just he was available for that role last night, you know, and wanted to get him back out there uh, after this after this weekend. Had a good outing this weekend at, at Monroe, uh, a short stint, but a good good one none, nonetheless. Did a great job last night because that that last inning, you know, that these guys were so hard to pitch to because talking about Nichols last night. I mean, they're they're good hitters, they really are, and, and they can handle many different pitches. Even though Dirk has a ninety four, ninety five mile an hour fastball, they were they were good with with handling a little bit of velocity. Same thing with the off speed, but he made some great pitches in that last inning and, and to come and preserve that win for us. Chipper Menard is a guy that, um, you know, a, a left-handed freshman. Fans of the program haven't seen him as much as a lot of the other guys. Uh, they've seen him somewhat this season, but he gets the win last night. He's just a guy I haven't really asked you about, I guess, yet this year. Uh, give us a little insight into his mindset, what he brings to the table, and, and his performance last night. Well, he brings a, his performance last night, for one, was outstanding. Um, he threw, I think, you know, after each game, we, we huddle up and talk about the game and point out some individual performances by the team to the entire team, recognize them, and it was brought up that Chipper threw 13 first-pitch strikes nice. to hitters last night, which uh, when you can get ahead like that, strike one is the best strike in baseball, really it is. And But Chipper's a guy that, that he's... I know Matt has kind of referenced him as kind of looking like a, a young Ron Guidry as composed as being left-handed, kind of having that that delivery over his head and a big wind-up and you know a big a big curveball. But he's a guy that he can he has different arm angles, you know, over the top side. He can even come from underneath three different pitches: fastball, curveball, changeup attacks the zone, and really has a, a – there's not much that affects him. He's got really good composure out on the mound. He can feel this position really well. It's like the, the another fielder out there 
So he's a guy that, that in the fall, we couldn't do anything with him as far as our, our offense goes. I mean, he was lights out in the fall. His first outing at Tulane, after that outing, felt a little discomfort in his arm, but has come back from that, and he's really good now. So I think you're going to start to see more of Chipper because, as I mentioned, you know he could he could start, he could finish a game, he could throw in the middle, just like that he can do different things, different pitches, and his mentality is so good. He can throw for us at different parts of the ball game. Tyler Robertson, a nice night last night. Um, when when his bat is really going, what does that do for the rest of your lineup? Well, he kind of makes us go. Really, He's such an exciting player. With, with tons of tools, he can run. I mean, you saw that last night. If he can get the ball on the ground with, via drag bunt, push bunt, he's, it's going to be a hit, especially if the third baseman is, is giving it to him, so to speak, as, as they were at, during one of that at-bat last night. Defensively, you've seen the plays that he's made. Some of the crazy catches that he's made, we, we come to expect that from him, really. If the ball's in the air... Doesn't matter how hard, how shallow, how deep it's hit in the center field, left center, right center. You know, we think it's an out because he he can get to him. So, but he's an exciting player up at the top of the lineup. That that really, and he's a he's another guy. He's he's he plays really loose. There's not much that phases him. Sure, there really isn't. Whether he's having a a tough game, a great game, he's the same guy with the same mentality, same attitude. And he's really a pleasure to be around and a joy to coach. ESPN1420.com, Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babineau, our guest. If you have any questions, you can tweet the show at ESPN1420. Email me, scott at ESPN1420.com. Or you can just, if you have Bab's number, I won't give it out on the air, but you can text him. Because I know folks text you sometimes when you're on, probably asking different questions or mention this guy or that guy. They do. And any you need to, to, to that we haven't mentioned yet? Go not ahead. yet this morning. All no, right, let's not hear yet this morning. The direct line. So we have. Oh, you have. Oh no, I said no, oh, not okay. yet, not yet this say, morning. I was like, we I'm sure after we, we mention this though, it. it'll start blowing up. <laughs> we'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Connor Kimple, um, going to be one of the discussions, and um, you know the different lineups and them paying off. As of late, for a number of reasons, we'll dig into that when we come back after this. Associated baseball coach Anthony Babineau in studio. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN 1420.com. We're right back right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Associated baseball coach Anthony Babineau in studio with me. Deg says it would be easy for him. Bad company by bad company. That would be his walk-up music if he. If he had any walk-up music. Back when you played, you guys didn't have walk-up music yet. <laughs> no, sir. What would have been your walk-up music when you played? I don't know. I I, I could pick a song really from each, each genre of music. I, I love music. I think everybody knows that. And, and I could have had a any country song, you know, uh, something with a little... Something with a little pep in it, you know, the fireman. I could have had a a dance song. I love to dance and Stevie B. Yo, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There would have been some Stevie B. Anthony Babineau. Yeah, and uh, could have been some rock and roll as well. So, 
Really, just anything, as long as they'd have played something. But we didn't have that luxury back then. It's such a it's such a great part of the game, man. I, I love that baseball, and it, you know, it's rare you go anywhere where they don't have it. But um, correct it, it, nowadays, it just, it just brings some, you know, brings a little flavor, brings a little fun, and well, it fills dead air. Get some really guys. Does. You can always tell. Okay, this this guy's into this music, or okay, this guy might be the Joker on the team. You know, but uh, or why does this guy have this music? Right. Why is he playing Bailey Most? What's, what's going on? Enrique something played. Something, something played the other day, and I don't remember if it was at our place or someone else at another park. And B, we were all looking at each other, kind of. And BJ said, "Is that Menudo?" <laughs> and I hadn't heard that come out of someone's mouth in a while. Menudo. Uh, I remember Menudo, though. That's great, man. Shout out Coach B.J. Ryan. Is that Menudo? Is that Menudo? Yeah. I think uh, Jay, Jay, Jay was saying, what did he say, his theme? I think he said, oh, his theme song would be Thunder. It's like, anything by Imagine Dragons, man. Like I would I would want to get people like uncomfortable. I'd have to play like a hard 80s love ballad or something. Maybe, you know, I want to know what oh, love is. But you got to walk up to the know. plate and it's got to be the slow part. But if you happen to get under it and you hit one out, that whoever is controlling the music, they have to blare the part at the end where it's the chorus. Like, I don't know. And then the whole, like, ballpark joins in. I mean, you want to talk about an epic moment, man. That would be it. All of them. I think all of that goes hand in hand with the guy or gal that is at the controls, right? You know, they got to know when they got to know when to insert it, when the level needs to be at 10, when it needs to be at 2. Like it all goes hand in hand. Just send Nick Domain some terrible Tune Tuesday stuff, and he'd be like, "I'll play it," and he usually wouldn't. But he did start playing one of them. The whenever the opposing team would go to the mound, who was it? Was it the Lamar coach that would get so mad every time they played Gilligan's Island when he'd go to the mound? You mean Jim Gilligan? Jim Gilligan. Yeah. <laughs> he would like get mad about it. It's like, bro, just, just. It, come on. Take it name, in stride, coach. You got you to laugh about it. Take it in stride. Antonio Daniels, who does, uh, he's a former NBA player. He does color commentary for the Pelicans. Does a great job. Good dude. The, the tweet pinned to his profile was someone, they shared an old video of him getting crossed up by Iverson where he just like, out of his shoes, just burned. That's what he has pinned on his profile, him laughing about it. It's like, well, how cool is this, man? I got schooled out of my shoes by AI. Mm-hmm. Like, if your name's Jim Gilligan, don't don't get mad. Just embrace it, man. You got to. That's it. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, this lineup that you guys tinker with and change it from day to day. Are you are you guys? Is it being crystallized a little bit in that? Okay, we know we're facing a lefty tonight, so we're going to start this guy. We know we're facing a righty tonight, so we're starting this guy. Or are you guys still actively tinkering with this every game out? No, I think it's starting to solidify itself a little bit, as you mentioned. If we're facing a lefty or if we're facing a righty, you have to, uh, the players need to get comfortable with the lineup, kind of just like the coaches have to, right? You know, the coach, Matt, has to feel comfortable about those names that he's writing down on that card and, and a lot he's writing them down in and thinking about scoring runs, obviously, but at the same time, you have to play defense as well. You have to stop them from scoring. So there's a delicate balance. But I think you've seen it become a little more consistent over these last couple of weeks. Connor has moved up to the leadoff spot. Tyler Robinson has moved down a little bit. I think that's 
that's helped us a little bit. Both of those guys can lead off, but it, what's fun to see your DH lead off right? often. And over the weekend, what was even funnier is for both clubs, their DH led off um, at the top for all the games. So, But Connor's been doing a tremendous job for us, not just getting on base, but but driving some runs in, hitting some big doubles, and, and just really – solidifying that spot for sure yeah it seems like it it seems like it's working um Deggs was you know kind of backhanded laughing at me I'm like so is this is this a good move here do you feel like it's solidifying itself like well Scott he's batting 607 in the lead role so I think so um had a hit last night in a walk but you guys regardless of the the pitcher is that a spot you see him staying in for now or I do yes I really think so you know uh, like like Matt reference hitting 607 in that spot. And some guys really just – some guys you can put them anywhere from 1 to 9, and as long as they're in the lineup, uh, they're going to they're gonna excel. Uh, but there's other guys, you take them out of one spot and, and they kind of falter a little bit because guys are pitched differently, obviously, in, in different, different parts of the lineup. But there's some guys you can – they're kind of like a wild card. You can move around from – from spot to spot, and, and they can handle really whatever is brought their way. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, Brennan Bros, I think seven hits away from a hundred for his career. Um, you know, we talked about lefty versus righty. Hanny in with a lefty. Bro, maybe when the righty comes in, uh, but he's a guy that I think when we just in fall ball and folks were breaking down this team, they're like. Not sure who's going to start where, but everyone kind of felt good about you know Brennan Bro and what he might be able to do. I just wanted to to focus on him just for a moment as a guy that was a local LSU, then UL, been here for a while. Um, you talked about glue guys. I don't know if he's a glue guy, but you're in that clubhouse with him all the time. What does he mean to the baseball team off the diamond in terms of the chemistry, leadership, things like that? Well, he definitely is a glue guy. As you mentioned, you know, he's started at LSU, made his way back home here to us, and, and he's had, I mentioned earlier, ex- experiences before a kid gets to us. He's he's had a lot of those experiences so that he's able to understand what it takes and what's needed to be a successful player, to be a successful person. He's had a great, great upbringing and he is he kind of keeps that clubhouse in order. He really is. He's one of the guys we have two or three guys that are tasked with making sure the clubhouse stays the way it needs to stay, making sure that on road trips everybody's on the bus by the time that they need to be on the bus and 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 things are not left behind. We have two or three guys, him, Austin Bradford, Dane Dixon, a few guys that are that are tasked with that job. But you know, Brennan just brings a maturity. You know, he rounded up a few guys on Sunday evening that came to the funeral home to pay their respects to to my mom. And, and you know, when I saw those guys start to walk in, got a little choked up because I didn't expect it. I, I expected that Brennan would show up because uh-huh. I'm really good friends with his mom and dad and, and the family. So when I saw Brennan, I was like, okay, there he is. I knew he was coming. And then I see 15 guys, you know, six foot two and better guys behind him. I'm like, oh, crap, that's the, that's the team, you know? Um, and then when Brennan came up and, you know, I gave him a hug and he said, hey, got a few of the guys to come and, and, and pay our respects. So, you know, he's a guy that, that kind of 
heads things up for us. When, we, when there's something that needs to be done community service-wise or off the field, we can always uh, – he probably gets tired of us going to him all the time. But I know that he embraces that role. He knows what community, he knows what serving is all about. And so he gets he gets that done for us. But but really just a guy that we can always count on to, number one, do the right thing. Number two, say the right thing, present our program the right way off the field and on the field. I want to circle back to player-coach relationships in the final segment. But uh, right now, keeping it on the diamond, what is the health situation right now with the team? Where are you guys on the injury front? We're pretty good right now. You know, obviously Riola is out with the thumb he had surgery on it a couple of weeks ago so he's got another two three weeks before he's going to be able to be back with us but we're we're pretty good there's some guys that always are going to be dinged up you know mm-hmm. but but they play through it and 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 work through it but health wise we're pretty good right now on both sides of the ball anthony babineau our guest espn 1420 i'm scott prather um this weekend Arigetti Friday, do, we, do you feel like the weekend rotation is starting to set itself up, or, or is this still Saturday, Sunday, moving around? Well, it's it's sort of moving around. You, you're probably going to see, you know, Cook Saturday, Dirk Sunday maybe, but those that's still kind of TBA. We're going to do everything that we can or everything that we need to do to win the first game right. on Friday. And after that, we'll see what's – available and what matches up for Saturday and then same thing with Sunday that's how we approached this past weekend it worked really well not to say that that's what we want to do here moving out you know it, it'd be great if if we had a Friday a Saturday a Sunday and you just blew through the season right that'd be that'd be awesome but um I'm not saying that that's not the case and that can't happen but but we approach we're approaching this game by game, and, and we'll evaluate for Saturday after Friday is finished. Spencer Arigetti, 0.90 ERA, uh, 40 innings pitched. I know we talk about him a good bit, but an All-American caliber talent. I've noticed that even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's still great. And that's to me, that's when you, you're, you've got All-American talent. Absolutely. and and But that's the... That's the attitude, the confidence that he has, the compete that he has. When you can take the stuff that you have, even if it's not your best on a particular night, and still be successful with it. Those are like you, like you mentioned, the the all conference players, the all American players. Uh, they have the ability to do that on those particular nights. Uh, with Arkansas State coming into town, what what do the Red Wolves present, and um, what's going to be the biggest key in your mind this weekend? Well, number one, they they stand in the way of something that we want, and that's a conference championship. As as far as as what they present on the mound at the plate, I know the guys are, are taking a look at that right now and and looking at video and and the stats and and things like that. But we we need to concern ourselves with with, with us. You know, we need to do sure this weekend a better job than we did last night offensively and and driving in runs whenever we have the opportunity to do so and not make it to where yeah I mean if if we only give up one or two runs a game we'll have a we'll have a great job a a great chance to be successful in that game but we don't want to leave it to the to the pitching staff every game to hold a team down to one or two runs that's a tough thing to do Mm -hmm. night in and night out 
So we need to do a little bit better job than we did last night of, of picking up some of those runs, cashing in when we get opportunities to cash in. But but we focus on on playing our game, making great plays. You know, if, if we can cut down, this is, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, and I'm sure Matt probably mentioned this to you in conversations with him. If, if we can cut down on the, on the free stuff that we give teams, you know, walks by the pitching staff, hit batter, hit batters are going to happen from time to time because we're going to throw in. We're just, we're going to throw in. You have to throw in to be successful. We feel. And, but if we can cut the walks down, the free bases, make more plays, in the infield, so cut down on the, on the errors, and we've done a great job of that over this stretch that this this really great stretch that we've been on, and just cut down on the strikeouts offensively. Put the ball in play more. Good things are going to happen for us, and then we've we've been able to do that over these last couple of weeks. Carson Rockforte, Sunbelt Conference Player of the Week, um, five stolen bases in a single game last week. Expect you guys to be aggressive on the base path. This weekend, next weekend, next week, every time out, that's what you guys are going to do. Um, what's the, in your mind, biggest key to successful base running, aside from the runner being being fast, you know, aside from obvious stuff, just more of an inside coaching look at it? Well, besides being, I mean, if you just said we'd have had a player that would have stole five in a game, we'd think TR, right, because of how how, how quick he can, he can really run, and, and he's got almost 15 stolen bases already, but... You know, Carson is not as fast as, as TR, but Carson is a good base runner. He can get good jumps. So what comes into it is, is the jumps you can get. You know, how how willing are you to get a little more in your lead? How willing are you to trust your instincts in possibly getting a split-second head start? And no fear of failure. Not afraid to crash and burn. I don't I don't care if I get thrown out. And that also comes with knowing that you're not going to really you're not going to get reprimanded when you get back in the dugout either. A lot of guys have green light. Sometimes it's on the it's on either coach Deggs or or coach Talbot at third as to when they run. But the guys that have green light and can run on their own they pick a pitch. The, those are guys that, that think to themselves, okay, I really think an off-speed pitch is here. My chances are greater. Or just knowing I need to get to second base. I need to get in a scoring position so my buddy at the plate has an opportunity to drive me in. And they're just going to they're gonna take it. And that mentality usually lends itself to more success running the bases, stealing bases, uh, than someone who's a little timid and, and – what if I get thrown out? And what if? And what if? And what if? What ifs don't. What ifs usually don't work. No hesitation. Not thinking about it is is a big key. Absolutely. Just absolutely. Let her rip, man. Rev that rip, Mustang engine. That's it. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. That's Rage Cajun Associate Head Baseball Coach Anthony Babino. I'm Scott Prather. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, that player coach relationship what it means down the line and when you see a former player have success in life or maybe at the next level of baseball. Not a bad start yesterday for a former Cajun. We'll get into that as well. It's ESPN1420.com. That could have been a walk-up song. There's some songs that it, just, it doesn't matter how old they are. That's a They're great, always good. That is a great one. The timeless tune right there. The folks don't really like Terrible Tune Tuesday, but Jay and I do it anyway. 
We might have to just have a reverse week where we do timeless tune Tuesday. That right there would would not make it on terrible tune Tuesday. Oh would no, it? no, no, oh, no. That okay. would make it on timeless tune Tuesday. No doubt. No, no, no. That is absolutely not. No, that's that's an all timer right there. Okay. You just wanted to make sure because it can be one of those songs that you don't you don't even necessarily have to own. You could maybe not hear it for like a year, and if you happen to be like in a store and it comes on, you start moving, start <laughs> dancing a little bit, moving your hips. I'll be at the checkout line at the grocery store sometimes, and the cashiers are looking at me like, "Oh yeah, what you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? You got to move. Come That's on, right? ESPN for no shame in this game. <laughs> I'm gonna break it down a big like Jane. <laughs> That's as Babs walk up music, Donkey Butt by Twelve Gauge. Oh boy. Well, Robe wouldn't like it. He doesn't want to kick a donkey in the butt. He'd rather you be a Mustang. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Jonathan, let me try to transition here. Jonathan Lucroy starting um, first game of the season yesterday for the Nats. Uh, gets a, a, a big uh, two-RBI double early. Scored Andrew Stevenson and another player for the Nats. You know, I know you and Luke are close. Um, you mentioned in the last segment, Brendan Bro, we were talking about him, and he, uh, he had brought a lot of the, the current players to the funeral home this past week uh, to, to honor your mother and see you and support you. The relationship between a player and a coach, I know I know it's different with every player. You know, I asked Coach Billy Napier last week on a, a Zoom call with some NFL uh, folks about, said, look, when a guy's preparing for the draft, how much are you in contact with them? How much do they reach out to you? And he just, you know, he said it varies, right? We want to be supportive. At what point when a player's not playing anymore, how do I word this? Is there a point, Bab, where the relationship is no longer coach-player, where it's just friends? Because I imagine at some point a guy reaches an age and it's like, yeah, I was your coach now, but we're more peers now. Or is there always that unspoken like coach-player relationship, if that makes sense? No, I think there comes a point where the coach-player is done and it's just it's friend-friend. You know, I, I have – there's a lot of guys that they still call me coach. There's a lot of guys that they call me, you know, Bab. It, they don't call me coach anymore, which I'm fine with. And But I, I think there does come a time where, you know, it's not coach player. It's okay. Uh, my coaching staff has taught me what I need to know to be successful in this life. And now it's okay. You've done your job. It's it's not coach anymore. It's it's friend, you know, um, and, and I I love those those relationships. For me, that's I've always been about those relationships. It's it's been one of the most fulfilling things in, in my career. It really has to to build these relationships with these guys and and to just continue them. I, I do as best I can with the help of of Facebook, obviously, because it's a great reminder of these guys' birthdays to send them a, not just a message through Facebook, but a personal message, a mm-hmm. text message, you know, on their birthday or when, when they get married or when they have a child, just to keep in touch with, with, with guys because I think it's, it's really important. They were such a big part of, of your life for two, three, four years, and you're such a big part of theirs. I think it's important to, to stay close with these people. Yeah, it's, it's such a developmental part of a of a person's life when they're playing and the impact of a coach and I imagine Bab it probably happens organically right as we wrap it up in terms of when that moment happens right yeah just kind of to expand upon that 
Phil Devi just sent me a text. He said, Bab, you have time for a quick call. You know, and just uh, when I see those players name on my phone, whether it be a phone call, a text message, or it's just, it brings me joy. It really does. What a great reward, man. When you put the time in and, and you coach and you make a difference and then you get to see them afterwards. And it might not, it's not the second that they finish playing, but at some point down the line, organically, it's no longer coach player, it's friend to friend. And that's. Mm-hmm. That's such a great thing. Bab, I appreciate you coming in, man. Rage of Cajun Baseball this weekend at Russo Park. Reminder, Saturday games at Russo Park now shift to 4 p.m. start times. Arkansas State, 6 o'clock Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday. Pre-game 30 minutes prior on Newstalk 96.5 KPL, powered by Learfield IMG College. Bab, appreciate it, man. And um, next week, I want a single walk-up song that you would choose. Give me some homework, right? Do it. That's it. That's all can it I, is. Can I... Can I cheat and take this right here, good, Billy yeah. Ocean? Is that <laughs> it? All right, never mind. He finishes homework early. That's Stay it. Stay tuned. Steve Pellick with his next with Beyond the Game. <laughs>